welcome back to The Insatiable Appetite. I'm Sarah Marion. I'm the Director of Syndicated Research here at the Hartman Group, and I'm here with my colleague, Elizabeth Aparicio. She's an epigraphic analyst, and we are going to give you a preview today of our new syndicated report coming out at the end of the fourth quarter. It's called Exploring the Diversity of American Foodways. Um, Elizabeth, why don't you start off by giving us a little bit of background about uh, what the study is about? Sure. So uh, in the study, we wanted to explore diversity from the standpoint of food culture. Uh, and of course, America's a nation of immigrants. Um, we've always been a nation of immigrants. And, and you can see it. Um, that's always reflected in our food culture. But it's becoming even more and more true today. So for instance, when you look at younger generations and millennials, uh, the Gen Zers, uh, they're more diverse uh, than even um, the older the older consumers. So we wanted to look at, um, and they're more diverse in terms of race, ethnicity, national origin, basically any any um, metric you can think of. Uh, and there's more immigration than ever before, too. That's true. And so uh, we wanted to really look at uh, these groups and focus on these groups that are often underreported, understudied, um, and uh, including people of color, recent immigrants, and look at how food culture um, plays out in those in those groups. Yeah, one thing um, that I was really excited about this study um, for was these, you know, as you mentioned, these groups are understudied, underreported, you know, typically in just a regular old, you know, gen pop sample that's representative to the census these are these are fairly small parts of the population and yet they seem to kind of punch above their weight when it comes to food culture a lot of the innovation we see comes out of these groups and so I was excited to explore some of that um, and then one of the things I was also interested in learning more about was this feedback loop that um, I think exists between the growing diversity of our population and the growing importance of discovery and innovation mm -hmm. among consumers and when it comes to their own food and food culture more broadly. Um, so mm -hmm. everything is still, we're still in early stages. Yes. We are up to our necks in data. We're wading through it, trying to organize things. But um, Elizabeth, I was wondering, what has caught your eye so far as we, as we get, dig into all of this exciting data? Yeah, well, I think the most, one of the interesting things that stood out to me uh, was, um, you know, you think about this kind of feedback loop of you have what is maybe like a standard American diet or like this typical American food, what mm -hmm. people kind of think of when they think of, you know, quote unquote, American food. Hamburgers, hot dogs. Exactly. <laughs> and then um, and then you look at, think about um, like maybe the, the opposite of that, like maybe a, uh, what is quote unquote traditional or, or may like aligned to somebody's cultural background mm -hmm. um, and and may or may not be represented in, in, in the sort of dominant culture. And so when you think about how those kinds of um, cuisines play out in people's lives, uh, the the default Amer the default diet is still that that American diet. So when you mm -hmm. think about what they're putting on the dinner tables at at um, at dinner time, uh, you mean just like a typical yeah. regular weekday? Yeah. So okay. like when you're thinking about an everyday weekday, it's still, it's still all about quick and easy, okay. uh, which is something that, that yeah. we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, health is important, um, but at the end of the day, you want to get food on the table. Right. And so um, it's really quick and easy, and the, the American diet is great at that, for better mm -hmm. or for worse. Yep. Um, but then when you think about maybe like the special occasion, the the holiday meal, the the religious mm -hmm. meal, the, the the Sunday dinner, mm -hmm. um, that's when you have more time, um, right? And and more uh, labor to offer, and so that's mm -hmm. when when you have meals that kind of represent that traditional background. 
things that kind of connect you to, I guess, like the people that you're with, but also traditions, it sounds like. Yeah, too. yeah. So you you kind of become nostalgic. or And mm-hmm. so it's about going back, but then also going forward. So you have these traditions that, traditions that you want to kind of harken back to, but you also mm-hmm. want to teach your kids about. Right. And so you want to kind of bridge those gaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing that stood out for me was um, to kind of extend a little bit about that. Uh, when people are interested in experimentation and play and learning, um, I was just surprised by how often uh, many of our qualitative respondents turn to the internet to cook foods or to learn how to cook foods that, you know, many of them claimed they knew how to make or their mothers told them how to make. But, you know, it's if your mom lives far away, it might be a little bit easier to just Google it. <clears throat> and there is this huge world of food videos, food channels, of influential chefs, of, you know, real amateur cooks and food blogs um, that really represent this vast range of uh, food experiences that are present in the United States today. Um, Even gifts? Even gifts. <laughs> uh, and so the um, almost all of our respondents were turning online for both inspiration and uh, information. And these were they were looking for instructions on how to make, um, you know, some of their like dishes that they remembered from home, dishes that their grandmother used to make. So things that looking for how to make these things more authentically, but also how to mix them up a little bit, how to combine things that uh you know, maybe the flavors that they remember from their home country or from their childhood, trying to make them healthier, maybe com- like turn uh, something from even a whole different traditional cuisine into their own flavor format. Um, what ingredients you can use when you can't find what you want and mm-hmm. how to make things quicker, easier, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, it was really kind of all over the place. And it's just so interesting. And then we heard a lot about... Um, inspirational figures too. So some of them were chefs, some of them were like uh, Instagram influencers, uh, folks that really kind of, um, that, that looked like you and who were making food that you were interested in. Mm -hmm. And that, and you know, the backgrounds were various. So we heard about one, one of our respondents um, like to follow this chef. She herself, the respondent was an adopted woman. She was raised by a Midwestern white family on Midwestern casseroles with chips on top. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was from, originally South Korea, and wanted to get more in touch with her traditional heritage and the foods that um, she, maybe her parents, who she never knew, um, ate in South Korea. And so she followed this chef who kind of had that same journey, uh, became a chef, learned more about her Korean heritage, like her Korea, the foods that she might have had in Korea, and now we're bringing them to an American audience. And that was just really a really great story. Um, and just one of the things that... Uh, that really inspired me as we were doing this work. Yeah, and it really highlights just how exciting the food culture is right now. That mm-hmm. really the internet is is um, giving voice to a lot of people that... And it's really driving innovation, yes. I think. Yes, exactly. Um, so these are just some of the things that caught our eye. So for all this and more, please stay tuned for our upcoming report. It comes out at the end of the fourth quarter, exploring the diversity of American food waste. Until then... Thanks. Thanks.